It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bearing on OffTheHookSports.com, your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. The Off The Hook Podcast at OffTheHookSports.com or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you go for your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Off The Hook with Dave Hooker starts now. Well, just like the great voice guy said, please like share and subscribe especially like that way we show up in your feed more often and set your notifications on whether you're on twitter or facebook or spotify or apple but in particular youtube we want those notifications on when you subscribe so you see what we have and you get sneak peeks all the time a big show on tap we continue with ethan stone's countdown of the most important balls as we're well into single digits also some News from around the nation, and Tennessee gets its B-O-L-S back. The Vols on Neyland Stadium, so we'll talk some traditions there. Talking Cruton as we are in right in the middle of it, and on or off the hook, a poll question today as well. Got a lot going on. So Amanda and Ethan were nice enough to fill in for me yesterday as a little bit of a medical procedure. I'm all good. I know that you guys were worried. Kind of on um, the edge of your seat the, the whole time, but I'm fine. Uh, thank you. Good morning. How are you, Amanda? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. And how are you, Ethan? I'm doing great. I'm 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 loving the rain. So, yeah. By the way, if you're I, and I do happen to be in the Knoxville community now, be very very careful out there. I mean, there is standing water, so I don't know when you're listening, but just please be mindful of that. In the world of podcast, you might be listening on July the 27th. I don't know, but as of July the 7th, it is uh, raining a lot harder than I expected on my drive up. I didn't see any rain, and now bingo, bingo, uh, here we are. So, guys, some news I wanted to get to, but first, when it comes to storm anxiety and Ava, Amanda's uh, little punt-worthy dog is what? I just said punt-worthy. That means she's not punt-worthy. That oh, would mean that she's you don't a punt baseball. A baseball is not punt-worthy. So it has. She's not mass. a football. It has enough mass and size where it's punt-worthy. No, so she just walked out of the room. Well, it's because she's got the craft treats and she's enjoying it. But she, truly, this is the type of weather that you really know craft treats. Tell us about craft treats. Okay, so my dog hates literally every... I've tried a bunch of CBD treats for her, and she does not like the taste of them at all. We tried to fly with her, and we had to basically shove them down her throat. I opened this bag, and here she is, like right there. The craziest thing because she's so picky. So it's it's insane. I love them. It's great. Awesome. My dogs did the same thing on July the 4th, actually. So, well, I say my dogs. I have one dog and then I have uh, my wife's uh, boss's dog for some reason in my house. We're turning into house sitters. So I have no idea why <laughs> Ethan 
but um, yeah, so uh, Ethan, as we talk some Tennessee football recruiting here momentarily, I do first want to touch base uh, with your countdown that is ongoing, and we're getting to some real important guys now. So the countdown is at offthehooksports.com, and what can you tell us about where we are and where we might go? Yeah, yesterday we had Jerome Carvin at number five, so we're within the top five. Um, Carvin, you can read all about him. I'll tell him a little small bit about him. He's a fifth-year guy on an offensive line returning four of its five starters, and in my opinion, him and Darnell Wright are going to be the guys carrying it down and, and kind of uh, keeping everyone humble, and, and I, I feel like the real leaders of this offensive line, so go check that out on offthehooksports.com, and then Number four will be today, number three tomorrow, obviously, and then we'll have the final two next week on Monday and Tuesday. Are you just going to roll out the final two? Because if you roll out two and it's not Hooker, everybody's going to say Hooker. I'm I'm, I'm going to keep the final two. I'm going to keep you guessing because I think it's pretty obvious who it's going to be by the time the three comes out, who the top two are going to be. So uh, I'll keep everyone waiting on, on Saturday and Sunday, those that uh, uh, diligently read the preseason countdown <laughs> spotlight. Also, but, a pre- also preseason opponents we have. We had one on Ball State that Ethan turned uh, this week. It was very good. And we will visit with a gentleman who works for the Lockdown Sports, Nick Farabaugh. He covers Pitt, so we'll get his thoughts on the Pitt Panthers and that matchup. So we'll have another preview for you. Uh, this week, also coming up this week, some latest recruiting news, and we'll get to uh, talk recruiting here. Is that I mean, there are a couple of things that I want to get your opinion uh, on, and Ethan, you as well. But when you look at the the national news scene, you've got a, a guy in Mayfield who gets traded the Panthers for what may be a fourth-round pick, but probably a fifth-round pick. It is bizarre how how quickly things can change. And, and listen, if I'm Browns fan today, I feel like that it's just kind of like a foot to the ground, go get Deshaun Watson and a contract that's super friendly to what he may have done. And let's just try to win, win, win as soon as you can before Jimmy Haslam expires. And, it just feels like they're making a bunch of hasty may not be the right word, Ethan, but a, a, a bunch of very decisive decisions quickly. Is that a good way of putting it? I'd, I'd definitely say so. Just for those listening also, the reason he cut out is because the thunder overtook his mic a little bit. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it is thundering at the moment. So if you just randomly hear Dave stop talking, it's not because he's not talking. It's because it's thundering a uh, storm outside quite literally. But uh, as far as Baker Mayfield goes, I, I mean, the, the Panthers have so many quarterbacks on their roster now, not necessarily good quarterbacks, but just quarterbacks. And they got PJ Walker who shined in the, uh, the USFL. I think, I don't know. There were so many of those. It might've been the XFL at this point. They got Matt Corral. They have obviously Sam Darnold and, and now they have a recent or past number one pick in Baker Mayfield. And, it's going to be quite the, uh, I guess, quarterback battle is the right word for it. I would think it's Baker's immediately, but you just never know with how he's been playing recently. I would still think of those four, he's the most proven. So he's probably going to be the starter week one. But it's an interesting move, in my opinion, because you've got at least two dudes that, um, that could probably go out there and at least fill in. Yeah, I would think. Uh, Amanda, I brought this up a couple of days ago because I felt like it was getting ready to get big. And now you have Brittany Reiner's wife who is uh, trying to get support to get Brittany Griner back home. Again, don't want to go politics. I just don't think this is a good place for Brittany Griner to be in right now. I'd say that Joe Biden is a little bit more concerned about oil prices and the economy and everything else than Brittany Griner. I think she should be back. I think that the U.S. should fight for, for people like that um, when they're being oppressed. And I believe that's what the Russian government is doing. But at the end of the day, um, you have to go through a long list of things that if you're Joe Biden, you need to take care of before Brittany Griner. Well, regardless of how you feel about politics or you know the Russian government or what have you, the war that's going on over there, 
um, it's like I've said before, she's not a priority and she's not. And if that tells you anything, you know, it's, I mean, the little people don't matter. Let's be honest. That's, that's really all I got on that. I mean, but, if, this, if this were Michael Jordan, we'd be having a way, he'd already be back. Well, yeah, we would have sent over like a, our Marine Corps to get him back if we had to. But um, on the Deshaun Watson thing, this is the, what, third or fourth group that's found nothing like criminally wrong with his behavior. Yes. So I'm just going to say I'm glad I stuck to what I said before. You have defended Deshaun Watson like no one else. I didn't defend him. I defended the law. I defended the guilt, the innocent before you're like proven guilty. Well, okay. To me, I find it really hard uh, to say that you're innocent if you ask a masseuse to sign a non disclosure agreement right after said session. But we can all believe what we want to. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. The legality is he's not been brought down quite yet. And we'll see if that even happens. It's cost him a lot of money. He's paid something. And I do think there's probably a big, huge monster gray area of consensual or not consensual, of jumping on board to get more money. Uh, where the truth is, we'll probably never know. There are just too many people. Uh, the truth of uh, the matter is you can get fantastic food at Big Orange Philly. Check out Big Orange Philly. It is right there in the heart of Halls on Maynardville Pike. They've got the quick bikes. They know it's tough to get out of the office for a long lunch, so they've got quality food fast. You can grab something cold from the fridge or order hot from the counter. Fresh ingredients, too. Casual shouldn't mean stale. And stay a while with darts, billiards, live entertainment, and karaoke that, again, is on Maynardville Pike, right in the heart of Paul's easy to get to. And the other thing that I want to bring up before we get to some recruiting is that uh, Shohei Otani extended his zero earned run streak to four starts. Okay, and I don't want to overspeak on this, Ethan, but Shohei Otani is... One of the greatest athletes of this generation. I mean, he's hitting homers with the best of them. He's one of the best pitchers. I mean, I just don't feel like he gets enough pub. Is it because he's West Coast? You would kind of think so, right? I mean, Ichiro, I feel like, was was very popular with people. Yeah. Uh, he's a different type of player, obviously, than, than Shohei Otani, who I would agree with you, at least right now, is one of the more impressive athletes you see in a long time, because obviously these athletes are doing incredible things and doing things that the average person could never really dream of doing. I feel like Otani is doing things that professional athletes can't really dream of doing and, and being an ace pitcher while being, you know, one of the truly better hitters in the game when, when you uh, whittle it down to it. So I mean, it, it's it's just incredible watching him. It's it's fun. I'm I'm not an Angels fan by any means, but if they're on, uh, I'm gonna watch them usually. If there's nothing else happening, I'll watch the Angels. Just some Los Angeles baseball, just to see what happens there. It is an incredible point that he brings up, Amanda. When we watch Otani, you know, Ichiro was very very popular even on the West Coast in Seattle. But didn't we all kind of maybe feel like we could do what Ichiro is doing? You know, he's just hitting singles and doubles. I mean, I know we couldn't, okay? But with Shohan, with Otani, Shohei Otani, we look at him, we say, it doesn't matter how many steroids or, you know, growth hormones or whatever. I, I, I could never be one of the best pitchers and one of the best power hitters in baseball tomorrow. I mean, there's just no way that that's going to happen. He just seems irreproachable. Well, I think it's also – people have a a lack of interest in the MLB because of whenever you hear of somebody doing these things, like one of the best pitchers, one of the best hitters, it's only a matter of time before it comes out that they're taking HGH or, grow, or steroids, whatever. Cause I think we've been through that for so long that that's what we're, we're expecting. So I think a lot of people, when it comes to baseball, it's like, Oh, he's great. He's, he's whatever. But are we going to go through this again where he's taking something? I'm not suggesting that he is, 
but I think people are wary of, of that kind of thing. Like, I think they're wary of like, well, let's not get too attached because here in a minute, it's going to come out that he's on some kind of enhancement. I think, I think we should be wary because major league baseball is going to juice the ball to make it better. They're going to do all that kind of stuff. And I get that. I mean, I think it's always good to be wary. I don't think you're going to see some sort of mass uh, cheating scandal like you saw before, because I think major league baseball realized that that is how much that, how how much that hurt them. But by the same token, almost saved them. From the strike. So you could argue that steroids and baseball were a good thing. I know that sounds bizarro. It made it better. It made it more interesting. I can remember my wife and I pulling over on the side of the road um, at an O'Charlie's, if they're still in business, to see uh, Mark McGuire hit a home run and break Roger Maris's record. And we stood there. I mean, that was... You know, when you pull I, over and you, you know, you go out of your daily way to find a television, I had to find a television that to be able to watch that. And my wife was even into it. That's culture shifting. I mean, that's that crosses a lot, a lot of boundaries. You know, I need- actually saw two of those, two of his home runs live. I was at in St. Louis. Oh, that's so cool. I. Yeah. Did you see really the, cool. the one that broke the record was like the least entertaining one he ever hit. It was just like a line drive over the left field fence that barely cleared. The rest of them like these towering shots. Um, yeah. It was funny that the one that he hit for the record is I don't want to say anticlimactic. I mean, you break a record like that, it's it's pretty awesome. They're breaking records all the time as far as saving you money at the Masters place. The Masters place. 30 to 70% off, and that's no gimmicks. It's Marine Corps owned. And if you look at their Better Business Bureau rating, they are through the roof. They are just that awesome. And the mattress place today brings you talking crouton because we've got that talking crouton is right now brought to you by the mattress place. Talking Cruton. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Who's on Tennessee's board? The names you need to know exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. All right, so some things to know as we talk some Cruton. Four-star athlete Cameron Selvin is scheduled to announce later today. I'm going to get Ethan's thoughts on all these guys. And then four-star offensive tackle Shamrod Yumarov is scheduled to go tomorrow. And then 2023 three-star linebacker Jalen Smith is scheduled to go in the tent. So what do you think of those three guys in Tennessee's chances, Ethan? I would say most important for Tennessee right now should be Cameron Selden. And obviously that's for two reasons. That's because it's today, uh, if you're listening July 7th on Thursday, that he commits between um, Tennessee, Penn State, who, who are the two kind of front runners, and then Maryland is also in there as well. Um, Penn State's, I feel like, the team that has been going for him the hardest for a while. And he had a couple crystal balls for for the Nittany Lions. And then just out of nowhere, seemingly, a couple days ago, it switched to Tennessee. And, and people were saying that Tennessee was the the front runner for it and that it was Tennessee's to beat for uh, the services of this four-star guy. Um, I'm top 150 um, guy in the nation. I, I think he's a top 30 wide receiver. And, I mean, Tennessee needs that wide receiver. I've said it on here before. Nate Spillman is, is currently their only wide receiver of the 2023 class, of the 2023 cycle anyway. And they miss out on Carnell Tate earlier. They're, they miss out on Malik Benson a little while ago to Alabama. They're probably going to miss out on Aiden Mizell to Florida. So for Tennessee to swing and miss on another guy, potentially like Cam Selden, that would be major, major problems. Uh, scouts love Selden too. And I'm not in the business, Amanda, of telling kids where to go to school, but it would be a shame if he went to Penn State because at best at Penn State, he would be the one go-to guy um, they put all over the field, which there's nothing wrong with that. But he's not going to be complimented by other great skill position players. I think he fits in at Tennessee, and he's incredibly good from the get. But I don't tell where kids to go, Selden or Amanda, but I think Selden should end up at Tennessee. 
Well, I think between the two, um, I would see going to Tennessee as a better opportunity just because of the coaching. You know, you have Josh Heupel here, and he's he's really all in. Like, you can tell he's all in for Tennessee. He's going to stick around. I feel like James Franklin, he came, he went to Penn State from Tennessee. Is that right? I'm pretty sure. He went to Penn State from Vanderbilt. Yes. Was that Vanderbilt? Because I remember all those tweets, and I was like, there's no way y'all got into Vanderbilt. But that's neither here nor there. Um, He go, like him being who he is, I feel like as we talked to Mike Farrell about the coaches wanting to leave to go to, to the NFL because of all the NIL and all this stuff, I could see him jumping ship really quickly. I'm just saying that's how I feel about it. He could jump ship, go to the NFL, and then all of his players are are just stuck. So if I were this kid, I'd go I'd probably go to UT, honestly. I just think the offense, I don't even think it's close. Ethan, I I just think the offense, I think he'd have a far better experience on the offensive side of the ball than he would at Penn State. Not to mention the Nittany Lions have two wide receiver commits already in the 2023 class. None of them are as highly ranked as him, and uh, uh, coaches don't care about rankings really at all, at least to a certain extent. So he would still be the number one guy of, of their of their cycle right now, but they have two. Tennessee has one, and he's their lowest rated commit as of right now. So uh, if you want to look at it like that, if you want to look at it from a competition standpoint, he would have less competition at Tennessee in likely an offense that will play to his strengths more. He's really more of a, an athlete that is considered to be a wide receiver, more than a wide receiver that is considered to be a wide receiver. Um, and uh, I feel like going forward, I would agree with you guys. I, I think Tennessee seems to be the obvious choice here, but you just never know. And the crystal ball from Steve Wiltfong of 24-7, that usually is not wrong. So we'll, we'll find what out is, today. I'm curious, what's he saying? Wiltfong? Yes. Yeah, he's got a he's got a crystal ball for for him to go to Tennessee. It flipped a little while ago. Oh, so this just yeah. recently flipped. It was like two days ago. Uh, let me make a hundred percent sure it was well flung. I'm almost positive okay. it was. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that I, I think Steve, even though we couldn't get him connected on Tuesday, I think he does a great job. So he very well. The answer is yes. It it, it, it was him, and he'll be announcing today on CBS Sports HQ. I got you. Well, that's it's kind of a journalistic debate there. Uh, and I've been a part of that with ESPN. The kid tells you where he's going so you can pre-ride it and have it ready. And then, but really, is that journalism? If you know and you don't tell, it's kind of, mm. it went back and forth like two times in a two-year contract, three or four times in a two-year contract, I should say. I tell you, it doesn't go back. He doesn't have to. He does it right the first time. Steve Ray, Steve Ray's Midnight Oil in Ottawa, and right next door is Owl's Nest Barbecue. Whoa, Owl's Nest Barbecue has the rubs, the chips, the pellets, and the fantastic grills to take care of you. So, uh, poll question today is brought to you by Owl's Nest Barbecue and Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. Where are we kind of leaning here? Do we have uh, any any thoughts right now? As far as, uh, as, far as what? question, I was thinking, here's what I was leaning towards. What, <laughs> excuse me, is the best, uh, I got three directions. Best overlooked tradition, best Tennessee tradition, or best SEC tradition. Obviously, I'm playing off the BOLS, being back on Neyland Stadium where they're supposed to be, which would be the East, right? No, south, south, uh, south end zone. Mm. Um, so, Amanda, I know you've got uh, a lot of culture in other SEC schools. I've, I've, I have uh, experience with other SEC schools. Um, so, where do you guys want to go? Do you guys want to go most overlooked I, or underrated? I think we should. I think Tennessee we should do. I think we should do just best straight up. Uh, all three of us pick one, and then and then have the the people decide. The best tradition in the SEC. I was going to say college football. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Too I mean, many. you can stay in the SEC if you want to. This is These are just our three favorites. Let's go SEC. 
I think uh, we should go Tennessee, and then yeah. once we get that narrowed down, we can make another one for SEC. Yeah, let's do Tennessee for now. I need to think on the entire SEC. That's that's why I okay. say that. That's okay. that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Of yeah, yeah there's there. there's a lot. Okay, so Tennessee for me is really really easy, and it's the checkerboard end zones, and I think it's because they look old school but they stuck with it since Doug Dickey put them into place in the mid-70s. They've stuck it with it long enough, or the late 60s. They've stuck with it long enough where it's kind of a cool thing now. And if somebody else does it, you say, oh, they're copying Tennessee's checkerboard end zones. So mm. I've always thought that was an underrated cool thing. It's easy just to put the name of your school in your end zone, but I like the checkerboard end zone. I always thought that's cool. Are we, doing under, are we doing underrated or best? It's a difference. Uh, there is a I difference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that's the best and underrated. Okay. Both. Cool. Both. Right. Both for me. We'll if we're best. doing best, well, Amanda, you can go first. I have two. Uh, yeah, Tennessee. I do too. So, so the, the checkerboard is actually like copyrighted or trademarked or whatever it's called. I didn't know that. I found that out later on like you can't reproduce it without tennessee's consent and i was like that's it's really random it's just orange and white squares but that's fine um the i think the two i would say would be running through the t the power t on the field and then also actually have three i'm sorry then also fall walk and then the circle drill circle drill kills everybody like all the schools love it. If they say they don't love it, they're lying because I get so excited to see the circle drill. I'm not going to lie. It's the are we, about the are we talking about the Omaha drill where you have two guys going after each other? No, band. You've seen the circle the drill, right? Oh. I was in circle drill one year. Okay. I thought, I thought yeah. we were talking football. I was like, well, they did have this thing where you would run around circles in a figure eight to improve your lateral building. I, I thought it was fun. Okay. Lesson learned. Okay. The circle drill um, would be one. Tennessee's band in general could be one vote. Either I was just about to say that. That's going to be mine is the pregame, the the, the whole uh, 10 minute, 20 minute pregame from the Pride. That's that's my favorite part. Yeah. Critics. I mean, it it kind of leads into the into running in the T, but the whole thing is, is cool if, if you watch it all. I mean, they play the other team's fight song. They, they do the salute to America. Mm-hmm. They do down the field. It's it's awesome. The whole thing, it's awesome. Oh, I agree. I agree. No, um, you know, the critics among us might say the best Tennessee traditions or most prominent ones are um, cannibalizing their own it seems like when everybody believes that they're hated i was very confused i was like every we gotta land plane here <laughs> is hated for instance i mean just forever um i'm not sure i agree with that Peyton left. Yeah, people love peyton people they love josh Dobbs. about peyton being at sports well they don't hate him they don't actually hate him for it no they don't okay hate but him. You look at this so people i mean todd helton we could throw out bernard sports. king oh, <laughs> There's... well yeah i mean i'm not saying you can't find some but Alvin if, Kamara. if you go back to the big names if you go back to let's say doug dickey went to florida so he was hated when he left uh, Johnny Majors talked bad about Philip Fulmer for years after he was fired. Philip Fulmer came back and hired Bullethead, so he was disliked. It just seems like Tennessee has a way of ending things poorly with people. Is that a better way of putting it? That's not a tradition. That's a better way of putting it. I, 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 that's a better way of putting it. I definitely wouldn't say fans just hate everyone that graduates from the university, but that that is a good way of putting it, I guess. Because there are, I feel like when people leave, there are some, like, I mean, Henry Toa Toa, for example. That one, uh, in my opinion, was slightly warranted, but uh, people did not mm-hmm. like him for a long time. People he did not like Alabama. I mean, then again, Lane Kiffin is kind of, because, like, I feel like people don't really hate Lane Kiffin here. Not anymore. I feel like he's just become a meme. Uh, 
Yeah, you know what I mean. Over the past six, eight years, yeah. Like they hated him at first, obviously, but like right now, I I think you'd be pressed to find a Vol fan that genuinely despises Lane Kiffin. Oh, I found a few. I mean, there's some of them in every. So what are what are our choices? Checkerboard. What else? Uh, I say let's combine. No, circle drill in the pregame. Marching horse. The what? The maimed marching horse, you know, the Tennessee walking horse, you have to maim it to get it to do that. To abuse it, physically abuse it. You're really on the side of Tennessee fans today, aren't you? I'm not. I'm telling you that you can be a Tennessee fan and not root for the Tennessee walking horse because you have, if I told you what you had to do to that horse, Amanda, you'd be totally on my side. I mean, I'm sure I would, but we don't need to bring that up. That is not a tradition. Okay. Okay. The Tennessee walking. So I've got checkerboard, circle drill, and pregame. What's the other one? What's the last one? Fall walk. Fall walk. Fall walk. Cool. Yeah, yep. that's probably right. the right so answer. We'll those up there. And uh, that's brought to you uh, today by our friends at uh, Owl's Treat or Owl's Nest. Uh, and you need to be sure and check them out at Owl's Nest. Uh, they are absolutely fantastic when it comes to all of your barbecue needs. So Owl's Nest Barbecue and Steve Raceman Metal right there in Ottawa. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about a gentleman called Gary Biles right there on beautiful Callahan Drive. He will take care of you with the integrity of Biles Automotive Group. It's Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. Is about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Joined by a very special guest. He has been waiting patiently, and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, Nick Faribault. Nick, how did I do on your last name? Because my last name's Hooker, which is easy, but it's embarrassing. <laughs> no, you got it perfectly, so don't worry about it. A lot of people get it wrong. You nailed it. <laughs> All right, cool. I feel, I feel good about myself. So, Nick, you cover uh, pit football with Locked On Sports and a number of other different media outlets tell us about how we can follow your work yeah so you can watch my uh, work at the locked on pit podcast i obviously have a daily podcast over there as we do with all the locked on shows i'll talk everything pit there um wherever they are i am pretty much i also cover pit for pittsburgh sports now so write a lot of recruiting stuff um obviously player interviews whatever we can get our hands on over there so I am writing all about Pitt, and Pitt kind of consumes my life, to be quite honest with you at this point. So 
make sure to follow my stuff over there. They can do that. And, of course, Tennessee and Pitt will play uh, this upcoming football season on what is essentially the Johnny Majors classic, if if you want to call it that. He's no longer with us, but a great man. And uh, I was curious what uh, Pitt fans think of this game. I mean, is that that too long ago for them to kind of realize what what this means to – uh, to this rivalry. Well, I think some of the older pit fans definitely appreciate it. The younger pit fans probably don't understand the Johnny majors. Listen, man, if you're a younger pit fan, how do you understand pit? Do you understand it as Johnny majors pit or do you understand it as a seven and five annual program? Right. So, <laughs> so like, it, I mean, I just to be quite blunt with pit there, man, I mean, it, it we're, that's the glory days, right? We're not in Tony Dorsett, Dan Marino era anymore. Uh, so that's kind of how everyone has, grown up around Pitt, but I think there's definitely an admiration around Johnny Majors. This game, you know, I, I was walking around uh, Pitt's campus the other day, and there's a corner store right by the Cathedral of Learning that sells a ton of Pitt merchandise, and they're selling Johnny Majors classic shirts and, and different types of jerseys and stuff and merchandise. So this is a game, I think, that has legitimate buzz. Johnny Majors obviously has a lot of buzz among, I think, older Pitt fans that definitely remember uh, that I think that a lot of Pitt people love Johnny Majors, obviously, for what he did for the program and, and the guy he was for the program. I also think that this is just a fun matchup in general for Pitt fans. I mean, Pitt doesn't play SEC teams all that often. Um, you know, they have really one power five opponent every year. Past years, it's been Oklahoma State, um, UCF, if you really want to count them. But Tennessee's a, a fresh matchup. And and I, I think that also is to the intrigue of this. It's a really fun home-home series, that I think. Uh, that It's going to be a really fun one. If anything says how fun it was, last year's game was a ton of fun. So hoping for similar things this year. Yeah, if you need somebody, I know Ethan's going to jump in here, and I know Amanda wants to as well, but if you need somebody on your podcast to do a Johnny Majors impression, I'd do a really, really good one. Knowing him for a couple of years, so. Uh, if you if you need that, I'll just I can throw out something like it's got a Ethan Stone. He's like a hat without a cowboy. All right, go ahead, Ethan. I'm sorry, hat without a cowboy, no substance. But he has substance. So, sorry. Guys. I feel like we'd all forgive you if you just forgot that last thirty seconds. That was one of Johnny Major's favorite things. <laughs> he's like a hat without a cowboy, and let, in other words, he's not getting his job done. The same thing as walk. Let it go. Ball. <laughs> incredible all right i i feel like i gotta ask and you have to have expected this question is coming what what is what does pitt do moving forward without kenny pickett i mean that's obviously an, an enormous loss for them but how do you see them bouncing back yeah well the answer before the end of april was rely on jordan addison and then they lost him too to the portal and so really pitt loses the two best players on their offense that was obviously one of the best offenses in the entire nation last year. Um, and, and Kenny Pickett, you know, was special in his ability to create outside of structure. Tennessee knew that better than anyone, that big time touchdown in the red zone where he threw across his body on a third and 12 uh, down in the red zone was huge. And, and Pitt consistently made plays like that. And now the wide receiver one's gone. And so is Pitt's tight end one. Lucas Kroll graduated. Um, so he's in the NFL now, right? Now, what does Pitt have bringing back? They bring back uh, their entire offensive line, which is going to be what they lean on a lot. The entire offensive line is back. They're all super seniors. So this is a very experienced and a good offensive line. That's what you're going to rely upon. Also back, just about the entire running back room. So I think, you know, you look at what Pitt has done this year. They lose Pickett, they lose Jordan Addison, and they lose Mark Whipple. The offensive coordinator switch is also something you can't overlook. Frank Signetti's now in there. Will they run similar stuff? Probably, but they might run the ball a little bit more, I'm thinking. You know, Israel Abanikanda, Rodney Hammond, they have a good stable of backs there with five guys that I think all could play at a decent level. Um, We really don't know how that room is going to work out right now because Daniel Carter, who was the de facto running back four, was the most improved player in the spring. Then they bring in Notre Dame transfer, Sebo Flemister. So it's like, they're building up a super running back room right now, um, which is interesting. And then the wide receiver position. I mean, that's going to be a question. And obviously quarterback. Keaton Slovis is a really fun player. And that's kind of your big thing is how good is Keaton Slovis going to be? 
Is he last year like he was at USC, which was not good? He was not a good player last year. Or do we see 2019-2020 Keaton Slovis, which is a different player from Kenny Pickett? He could probably make more of those high upside NFL throws because he probably has a stronger arm. But, you know, what Keaton Slovis do you get? If you get really good Keaton Slovis, Pitt could be just as good as last year. It just depends on which type of Keaton Slovis they get. But the good thing is they have that veteran offensive line to protect him and allow him to stay in the pocket. So the transition is obviously there, but this is going to rely upon Keaton Slovis, his ability to not kill Pitt and, and, you know, just manage the game and maybe a running game that's kind of going to burgeon out from this. I don't think you're going to see a, a game like you saw last year from Pitt. I think you're going to see them run the ball a little bit more. That was it's it's crazy you answer that because that was going to be my next question is is how do you think it's going to fare similarly or differently from last season, especially being obviously in Pittsburgh instead of Knoxville this time around? Yeah, well, listen, September 10th in Pittsburgh couldn't be anything on the weather scale. We're talking anything from 40 to 30 degrees to 90 degrees. I mean, we are talking about. It could be a monsoon. It could be a beautiful sunny day where you have a great breeze coming off the three rivers. It could be snowing. It is a crazy outcome thing right there. So I don't know if it's going to be different weather-wise. But what will be different is Pitt, first of all, this is going to be a big game for Pitt, especially if they come off a week one win against West Virginia. If you beat West Virginia in the backyard, bro, it's going to be a hyped-up matchup, right? National game. This is a potential season opener for Pitt that just bolts them into the top 15, top 10, and then Pitt's getting all this hype, and that's what Pitt wants. So this is going to be a huge game. So you're probably going to have a really good atmosphere. You're probably going to see Pitt come out and maybe be a little bit sharper than they were in week one. Uh, Again, I said running the football is going to be their big thing, and as Pat Narduzzi's teams have always been, their MO is going to be defense, and that's the big thing here is they return almost the entire defense. The only two players on this defense that they significantly lost was Damari Mathis, who is their corner one, which is significant, but they have a nice group of corners coming in there and Keyshawn Camp there. They also revamped their linebacker room a little bit to try and upgrade on those guys. Um, But this is a defense first team and this defense has a potential to be really, really good. So the question I think this year could be, Maybe it's a slower game. Maybe it's not, you know, the whole up-tempo thing on both sides. Obviously, on Tennessee's side, it will be. But maybe Pitt tries to slow this down, ground and pound a little bit more, and try and wear down Tennessee, take a little bit off of Keaton Slovis, play with defense, force turnovers, stuff like that. I think you're going to see a little bit of a more balanced style from Pitt. So I have a couple of questions. Um, First of all, just a fun one, way too early score prediction for this game. What do you have? Yeah, it's a tough one because – Again, it, it's it's like Keaton Slovis is this great unknown. And I could guess anywhere from 48 to 45 to if they do do that grind out type of style and Tennessee tries to go up tempo, we could be talking more in the 30-ish range. I say a, a good guess right now is, you know, last year's was 41-34. I say this year, let's say like 35 31 somewhere around there I think it'll be a little less scoring I think there'll be a lot of scoring in this game I think these are both going to be two really good offenses and obviously I think Hendon Hooker and in that entire group in this very talented Vols offense in another year under Josh Heupel and all of that is going to be a really good offense and Pitt has had trouble in the past stopping this type of scheme um, so we'll see how that works out but I think you know you're going to get points I think it's going to be a tough close game I see this one being another really fun game. So I'll go 35-31. Is it Pitt over Tennessee, 35-31? Tentatively, I think I'll take Tennessee, actually. Okay. Yeah, that was. I was wondering which one you're going to take on that. So uh, last question, this conference realignment thing, like we all know it's headed everywhere. I mean, it, it's going to encapsulate everyone at some point. What do you see happening with Pitt if the ACC decides to to break up and go separate directions? That's the the age-old question, because I think Pitt's in a very interesting spot where this season matters a lot for Pitt, is what I'll say. Because let's say they go to the ACC championship, heck, they win the ACC championship again, right? then you got to start putting Pitt up there with a big-time brand. They're building something. And, and I don't know how that is, but if we're standing here right now, 
I think the obvious fit for Pitt is the Big 12. Um, I think joining West Virginia, joining Cincinnati, all those teams, you know, you could probably bring Louisville with you. You can bring some other ACC teams in there. And you can have like a big old Big East type conference, Virginia Tech maybe in there. Obviously, the Big 10 would be, I think, the best fit for Pitt if they're going to one of those super conferences. Uh, you, you renew that Penn State rivalry. Notre Dame probably comes with you. Uh, and you get to maybe forge new rivalries with Ohio State, not too far from you. You know, you, Rutgers, because uh, Pitt recruits New Jersey a ton. Uh, so you get to forge some new rivalries potentially there. Uh, Michigan State is another one. I think those two schools match up really well uh, in terms of their kind of style and, and their fan bases. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen to Pitt. Uh, I think best case scenario for them, they get into the Big Ten. Uh, there have been some people that have talked about maybe Pitt to the SEC, um, which would be crazy to me uh, i i can't see that happening uh it's a weird one the only reason that would happen is because for some reason the sec would want to get into the pa market um but i think the big 12 makes the most sense for them getting the same conference as west virginia make that backyard brawl an annual thing interesting uh nick uh Faribault, who again covers pit does a great job with uh locked on sports and across the board be sure and check him out on twitter uh Nick, last thing I got for you, we were talking about great Tennessee traditions and kind of ranking them. What's what's the most standout pit tradition when it comes to football? Uh, yeah, um, you know, pit traditions are interesting. Obviously, Sweet Caroline is a big one for them. But the interesting thing about that is that is so hit or miss with the pit fan base. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. It's kind of whatever. It's probably the most recognizable one. Uh, you know, the, the pit fight song is another big one, you know, where they incorporate the rivers into it. And, you know, the chant alligating Gannett, Gannett, Gannett is another big one that they do. Um, you know, pit tradition wise on the football field, it's not a super traditional school. Um, they've changed and kind of melded to different things. But Sweet Caroline and I think the fight song have been the two big traditions that you look at. And I think those are the two big things that have really kind of melded well um, with Pitt thus far. They're forging new traditions. The turnover dunk is, is a big one that everyone loves, and they'll do all that stuff. But I think those are two traditions that are longstanding that have deep roots. Nick, great stuff, buddy. We will talk to you and follow your work. Hopefully we can hit you up when we get closer to the game, but that was uh, uh, as good of a breakdown as we could have hoped for. I appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, uh, Nick uh, Faribault. Again, find him on Twitter and follow his work as uh, he is uh, all about. He's got Pitt covered and the Locked On uh, podcast is something I would highly recommend as well. So, you know, not as as much of a tradition laden school is is Pitt. And that's I, I think why Johnny Majors had such an impact because able to win a championship there and have a guy like Dorsett actually Dorset, but changed his name. So I kind of thought that maybe the greatest tradition would be changing a player's name from Dorset to Dorset. <laughs> because it was it was Dorset. Um much like Beisman was Thiesman. Name was Beisman because it rhymed with Heisman. But another good pit tradition could just be Dan Marino just uh, snorting an eight ball of blow. <laughs> wow! Why don't we just throw that out there? I guess it's one of them. Nothing like a game day tradition. Breaking <laughs> out the nose dust. <laughs> he did. I don't that. partake in those traditions. I don't either. But that's why he dropped in the NFL draft. Just quick history lesson he was by far the best quarterback there i think uh uh who was taken ahead of him oh my gosh there were some bad ones who's the guy at pittsburgh for a number of years i, I could not tell you i will after this oh he had a terrible day and he was on tv forever amanda okay who are you talking about yeah a guy had no name and he couldn't play and <laughs> Why would I know him then? This <laughs> in sports history after this back in two minutes. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. 
We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. So, uh, yeah, I found out his name. Todd Blackledge. Yeah. I have no idea who that is. You could have put a gun to my head, and I never would have named that. Yeah, Todd yeah. Blackledge was drafted ahead of Dan Marino. That just I would have. Yeah, no. Seems like a bad decision, considering I haven't heard <laughs> in <of it>. retrospect, <laughs> in, in retrospect, yes, that was a bad decision. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, that was, wasn't that the 83 draft where Dan Marino went so far behind everybody else? That was the 83 draft, wasn't it? I don't know. Take your word for it. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was born uh, oh. 17 years later. Well, I'm gonna, okay. Well, I'll, oh, my gosh. What what year was Dan Marino drafted? Because that was the great quarterback class of 83, right? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I See, normally start, don't go. Start talking eight balls and you get all get flustered and confused. So, um, the, yeah, the 1983 draft. So, the 1983 draft. So, here are some of the players that were selected ahead of us, uh, ahead of Dan Marino, who, by the way, way is the best pure thrower in the history of mankind. Like, regardless. Interesting. It's, it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so, right. tonight. 1983 uh, NFL draft. So these are some of the guys that went ahead of Dan Marino. Everybody thought going into that draft that he was going to be the guy, that he was going to be number one. But then the uh, nose candy uh, rumors started coming out. So that, that hurt him. And I don't think he was an incredibly nice guy to be around, but that's neither here nor there. So here are guys that went ahead of um, Dan Marino that makes sense. John Elway went number one to the Colts straight to the Denver. Elway's probably the greatest quarterback that ever walked the face of the earth, just from a physical standpoint. So I have no argument with that. Eric Dickerson. Huh? Eric? Seems good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> and, okay, then it gets a little weird. Um, so you have Todd Blackledge going at seven to the Chiefs from Penn State. He was horrible. Um, then as far as what's <laughs> Not to be judgmental. Uh, Jim Kelly went 14 to the Bills. Now, that was a great pickup. Trade from Cleveland. He had a great career. Tony Eason went to the Patriots uh, with the 15th pick. Marino should have gone before him. I think we can all agree there. Eason was the starting quarterback when the uh, the Bears won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was. He got That was my first Super Bowl party. I uh, had a bunch of you know 12-year-old friends. We had a Super Bowl party, and it was over in five minutes. Poor boy got off to a, a 3 nothing lead, and then it was all history from there. That's right. They did lead 3-0. You're right. Yeah, so, uh, Kenny O'Brien, who was backed up by former ball Pat Ryan, who I've often said Kenny O'Brien, Pat Ryan, both Irish, both about the same size, both about the same arm. I think they may be the same person. So, when Kenny O'Brien would get hurt, he would just switch jerseys and come out as Pat O'Brien. I've said that before, but I don't know if that's true. Dan Marino at 27 of the Miami Dolphins. Can you imagine getting Dan Marino with a 27th pick? Isn't that what Johnny Manziel went 27th to the Cleveland Browns? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he did go pretty low, but so both nose candy, both 27th in the draft. <laughs> there we go. I want to think Manziel was lower than that. No, I, he yeah, I was going to say. He was. Uh, I thought Manziel didn't make it out. I, I didn't think he was picked in the first round. He, he was, was the picked in the first pick, round. So Atlanta's for or Al, Amanda's correct. He was the twenty second pick. Okay, twenty second, second round too. I remember him going way later than he was supposed to. So I guess I just internalized that he didn't go in the first round. But I, I no, he did. Yeah. He did. He was trying to get Jerry Jones to take him with Dallas's pick, and I do remember that being a whole thing. Too is him falling that far and people were like, he's like a top five pick. And it's like, I don't know. No, he's not. 
No, well, I mean, at the time, people thought he was. and I never. I was like, he's too small. I mean, there were he's a lot small. of people that said he was, though. And so when he kept falling, oh, it was like... But... He was pretty He was pretty goofy special. Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, he was fantastic in college. You got to... Yeah. I mean, I mean he, he had enough to me of the, hey, I'm really special. So, like, I would overlook the hype. Mm-hmm. I don't say that for a lot of guys. Uh, this day in sports history, what do you got for us, Ethan? I got one for you that I bet you don't have. I do too. I oh, okay. Mine All right. Is, uh, 2001, um, in his first appearance at Daytona since Dale Earnhardt died, Dale Earnhardt Jr. won the Pepsi 400. I was there. That was mine. I was there. I everybody, thought, everybody thought that was everybody thought that was fixed because he won right after his dad passed away, um, and it was. He beat Michael Waltrip, which who was his teammate, if I'm not mistaken. So I feel like that's why people would have thought it was rigged. Well, that was the thing about that D, the, the way DEI had it rolling there is they dominated on super speedways in Talladega and Daytona. So I'm, I wasn't ever surprised. I mean, Michael Waltrip, as strange as this sounds, is a two-time Daytona 500 winner. Huh? I knew I mean, that. Like, yeah, that's that's just, a race, though, that you can anybody can win it. I mean, literally anyone can win it. With the final lap, you have to draft behind people. People will push people. It, I mean, it depends. Like that's how Trevor Bain won it. Somebody just Trevor got Bain. behind him yeah. and said, "Hey, I'll take second in the Daytona 500 instead of falling back to 15th." And that's how he won it because somebody just drafted behind him. I mean, Knoxville but you don't go. You don't go from seventh to winner. In nine laps. That doesn't happen. Agreed. And this, and I'm not a at all. Yeah. But this day, 26 years ago, Hulk Hogan betrayed the WCW and started the NWO. Kevin Nash, who played (laughs) basketball. Oh, here's one for uh, young Ethan Stone. Who did Kevin Nash play basketball for? Kevin Nash. Couldn't tell you. No, I'm never. I'm never going to guess it. So, the University of Tennessee. I didn't know that. Kevin Nash played uh, basketball for the University of Tennessee, and he was kind of one of the big guys and kind of quiet. And he turned out to be a huge, outspoken professional wrestler. It was kind of a, it's kind of a surprise. A little. Yeah, bit. it was very time. slightly before my time. Hey, that was actually before my time too. So no, I'm, I was joking. <laughs> you, got, you got Kevin Nash, um, who played basketball at Tennessee, and then you got the maker, the mayor, Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. Kane. So, I do know about yeah. the mayor. I, I mean, like him a lot. No, nah, he is one of the smartest individuals I've ever spoken to. Uh, He's great. I, mean, I do not mean that with any at all reservation. He is. Incredibly intelligent. Um, he takes up a giant, like he's big, so he takes up a plane. I was on a plane with him one time, <laughs> and my husband wouldn't let me go say hi, which I thought was very ridiculous because I kind of I I don't fangirl on, on many people, but him I got a little fangirl with, and my husband wouldn't let me say hi or take a picture, so I was like, well, fine, just because he thought I was obnoxious. With but, yes, and. He took up, like, here's the seat, right? He took up, like, the whole, I mean, he was just like, <laughs> and I was like, that poor seat. Yeah. It is funny, though. I will I will offer this up real quickly, though. That they say all those guys are seven foot, and none of them are. Like, in the NBA, if they say you're seven foot, you're seven foot. But in, like, the NWA um, and wrestling, the, the WWF, everybody's exactly seven foot. Have you noticed that? There's nobody that's six eleven or seven. <laughs> I don't watch it. I've never. Yeah, I, I think it's either. the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But I mean, I sit next to Glenn. I mean, Glenn's huge. Glenn's six nine, easy. He but is massive, not, but he's not seven foot. But everybody's seven foot once you make it work. All right. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Please remember to listen and subscribe. We want to provide you more of what you want. And we'll be back tomorrow. And we will have a very special guest on tap. So I'm kind of teasing forward and looking forward to that. So check out offthehooksports.com. The countdown continues. Could have a preview of 
hit coming up, I imagine a little bit later today. And also, uh, we'll continue to look at uh, alignment. So we've got a, a lot of good sources as, where as, as far as where the SEC could end up. So I want you to continue to stay tuned to that at offbooksports.com. Like and subscribe on YouTube, and you will get sneak peeks. It's awesome. want to be sure and thank Bassey Lawn and Garden, City Heating and Air Conditioning, City Heat and Air, and Bassey.com. And uh, if you're looking for a great place to grab a bite to eat, I encourage you to go out to Big Billy's because we're around the lunch hour now. We're getting close to it, depending on where you, where you are listening. So have a fantastic day, everyone. For Amanda and Ethan, I'm Dave. This has been a presentation of Off the Explosive.